Welcome to Literary Merit, the show where we tell you what media has value. Spoiler alert, it's all of it. Also, spoiler alert, we'll be discussing spoilers as usual, so here is your warning. I'm Ashley. And I'm Alex. And I will start by asking, what is new to you, Alex? Um, I had the day off, and I did some work at the library, and then I went and saw How to Train Your Dragon 3. I saw that too! I guess that's where we, we can talk about it for a little bit then. Yeah. Um, I was very emotional at the end of it. Mm-hmm. But I still favor the second one. You know, I really need to give that one a rewatch. I really appreciated a lot of things about it at the time, but I haven't seen it, I don't think, like, since it came out. I just remember being in the theater and I was like, oh, no, they're going to leave this one open-ended. And we're going to have to wait for a third one to see what happens. But then it's like, no, there's a fourth act. And I was like, what? <laughs> there's a big old battle. Yeah. But I did really like this one. I thought it was a great ending to the series. It, it gave a lot of feelings. Lots of good, lots of good choices. It was definitely more about... Um, you know, wrapping everything up and feelings and a lot less about like billions of cool new dragons. Though there were, there, there were, were a lot couple. of cool new dragons. There were a couple, but I don't know. I just felt like this one was more like, I don't know. It, I, I liked it a lot, but I just felt like the first two had like bigger and bigger dragons. And this was like smaller and meaner dragons. <laughs> yeah those those poison boys were nasty yeah 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 with like sleep venom and acid fire spit yeah and that was singers. scary when it's like everything's melting and burning <laughs> right and i gotta say this maybe was some of tough nuts best they really best gave the moment. secondary characters some more stuff I, I, that is one thing that I appreciated about this, maybe a little bit more than um, number two, mm -hmm. was I, I just, I liked the way that the that the secondary characters, that the team was handled a yeah. little bit better than in two. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Tough and Rough Nut were both standouts in this one. They were, they, they were remarkable. And it's like, that's great. I mean, they've always had their moments, but they can definitely get into like, tiresome territory yeah but i loved everything that they were doing in this one <laughs> i really did i can literally never get over that Kristen wig does one of their voices yes she's tough nut and i i like she doesn't sound like Kristen wig at all <laughs> right there's like absolutely no way unless i saw it i don't believe it <laughs> i know I'd, i have to see the video of her of her actually in the booth because i can't i can't see it i can't make the connection like, with I her know little in my braids brain. with the mold spots for mold. eyes <laughs> i love how gross she is <laughs> she's so gross it's wonderful and fish legs with his little baby dragon with the so big cute. mama dragon big mama dragon and the baby <laughs> dragon he's just a baby <laughs> i loved it i loved it and i gotta say um at the end hiccup is pulling off that beard oh completely 
completely like and i was like head over heels for astrid in the wedding scene she was really great the whole time when she she's gives him that great. little pep talk when, when she best. gives him that little pep talk you're like oh my gosh <laughs> like she was mm -hmm. mean mean and liked him before but now she's mean and nice <laughs> yeah she she's the, she's tough but mm -hmm. she's smart She's great. I love her. She kicks so many butts in this movie. Like, she's so badass in this movie. <laughs> there was really also, like, a weird, like, vibe between the blacksmith and Kit Harrington's character. Oh, um... Oh, why can't I think of the Craig Ferguson character? Yeah. What's his name? Um... Gobber. Gobber yeah. and Eret, son of Eret. Yeah. You got a vibe? There was a weird vibe. Like, they were, I don't know. I don't know either. I wasn't even looking for a vibe, but there was a vibe. <laughs> well, the the second movie did heavily imply that Gobber is gay. Yeah. And this one, <laughs> it's like. But Eret is a bit young for him, I think. That's, what I, that's why I was really confused. Because, so, Gobber is like, at the wedding, he's like, holding the bouquet and then he throws it and Eric catches it. Oh, I didn't I yeah. didn't catch that moment. And it's not just the bouquet, it's his wooden hand holding a bouquet. Oh yeah, yeah. No, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I kinda yeah, honestly that moment didn't register in that way to me, but I do I do see the implication there. And then they're like standing next to each other at the end, like distant mm -hmm. shot. I don't know. Well everybody is in love with Eret, son of Eret. That's so. true. That is true. So no one can blame no one can blame Gobber. Yeah, if he's got a crush, it's it's fair enough. I thought it was wonderful. A lot of great callbacks to uh, previous moments in the series, and I loved that those dragons were just more like kitties than ever. Yeah, Toothless was just a kitty cat, and I loved it. I, I really loved every moment. Like I know why they did, and they and it was good, but I really wish they hadn't shown the mating in the trailer. Oh, yeah. Because it was just so fantastic. <laughs> yeah, they're so cute. They're really very cute. Yeah, they're they're cute little kitty babies. And they have their own little baby dragons. And those, oh my god. They have Hiccup little and spots. Kids. I know, they're so cute. And Hiccup and Astrid's kids were just so good. I mm -hmm. loved those babies. Like, they had so much personality. Even though you only see them for just a few minutes. Yeah. It that was definitely a satisfying ending, but also really sad because I wanted it all to be good and happy. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, there's the implication that someday, maybe. But only they he was Hiccup was really laying it on thick at the end, talking yeah. to us about not not fighting anymore. Yep. Yeah, he's like, yeah, nah, y'all don't deserve dragons. dragons. <laughs> I can go and visit the dragons. No one else deserves dragons. <laughs> Me and my children. <laughs> but it's true. It's true. Well, I have news. Yes, share. I'm unemployed. Welcome. Wow, fun. Yeah, no, it's great. It's good news. It's it's good and planned. Uh, yeah. Yeah, all in preparation for the big move. Um, so today was my last day at work, and everyone was super wonderful and nice, and I will miss them a lot. I got into work, and my manager had brought bagels Yum. and my co-worker had brought donuts <laughs> and then at lunch one of my other co-workers bought me a very delicious piroshki 
from a nearby Russian coffee stand. Okay, wow. Mm-hmm. Everyone's feeding me all day. Yeah, I felt very sick. <laughs> I'm sure. Because, of course, I had to eat all three of those things. I yeah. had a bagel, and then I had a donut, and then I ate the piroshki. And so for dinner, I had a poached egg on rice. <laughs> Because that was that was all that was going to be able to happen. Right. <laughs> yeah. But nah, it's it was good times there. And I'm I'm sad to say goodbye, but I am excited for what comes next. And to not have to have one day of that commute. <laughs> never, ever. I'll never do it. Nope. Mm-mm. But uh-huh. exciting things are coming because that means that we're moving in like. Uh, less than two weeks it's 12 days for me and so i'm going in the day of yeah and and i think we want to move some stuff in this is not important to talk about on the podcast (laughs) well they need to know our schedule (laughs) yes (laughs) but yes it's very exciting and very soon and i'm super duper stoked we're gonna have so much fun decorating alex Good. Yes, I need help. <laughs> <laughs> and it's going to be awesome. I actually saved a bunch of Christmas money specifically. To oh my gosh, me too. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's going to be it's going to be great. Oh man, you guys, the podcast is going to get better. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> or or there'll just be more of it. <laughs> we more. don't know. Like yeah, the, something we'll, will happen. We'll just we'll be together the all the time so it'll be like 3 a week. <laughs> why not yeah no this this will i am convinced this will be net gain for podcast positive it can only get better right i mean no that sounds wrong like like it's as bad as it could possibly be we're terrible we're terrible we can only go up from here (laughs) well let's talk about this other thing that we watched recently yeah so i don't remember if i started watching it before you did you did because you okay. were telling me about Robert Sheehan and how great he uh, is. Oh my god, I love so him so So obviously we're talking about The Umbrella Academy, friends. Yes. Netflix original series The Umbrella Academy just came out halfway through this month or something like that. Mhm. Yeah, it's uh it's pretty good. It's a pretty great show, I think. It is nine really good episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, you you said that very pointedly. Uh, I I feel the need to inquire. Um, episode ten, which I think you watched today. I did just watch that a few hours ago. Yeah, that's the one I felt it was a bit much. I mean, they just had a lot of wrapping up to do, didn't they? They did, but then it's like, welcome to the black parade, and. <laughs> When I was a young boy. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, that was a lot. Yeah. <laughs> now, I'm I'm specifically interested because, okay, so this is based on a comic series that came out in 2007 and 2008, I believe. Uh-huh. Um, and... It's but the adaptation on Netflix. It sounds like it's pretty, um, 
it's pretty much its own thing. Like it's based upon the comics, but it is not very faithful to them. Um, and so I feel I especially having not read the comic, I feel like I have to discuss the Umbrella Academy as a as an artifact of 2019 of this moment in history. Well, I think and... I think um, even if it is different from the the comic, it was still executive produced by Gerard Way. So, oh sure, no, no, no. The, my point is, um, oh the content. This, yes, well, oh, it's, okay. it's this is a millennial superhero story. These <laughs> are people who were born in 1989. They are like what 30 something like that yeah so like they're tw- yeah, 29 30 so um th- like they are millennials and, and i and i want to talk about what it is because it's 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 one of those superhero stories that's definitely sort of about superhero stories yeah mm-hmm. it's you know it rather than being a marvel series or a dc <laughs> series it is something outside of that and yeah. it draws upon those influences and i think comments on them or uses them to make certain comments uh but it is that story now of course sort of the er version of that would be alan morth watchman yeah um and so i'm sort of interested in looking at both Watchmen and the Umbrella Academy uh, as far as like what because I, I now this is where it gets a little sticky because I am able to discuss both the comic and the film version of Watchmen and I am much more interested in Watchmen as an artifact of the 80s when Moore wrote it rather than 2000 and nine when the film came out though there's an interesting conversation to be had there um you know the story watchmen came out of the 80s and this umbrella academy (laughs) came out of 2019 so it's a little tricky as far as what what we're comparing but but they but they both um sort of take their roots from like 20s 30s 40s 50s you know yes the, very the, much yeah mm-hmm. the golden Noir. age of superhero comics yes yes mm-hmm. and even have <sighs> even in the stories themselves a lot happens in the past yes and even yes, though that is true um it's like 89 or whatever when the kids are born and then even though it's like the nineties when the kids are going around doing their superhero thing in umbrella Academy, mm-hmm. they, it doesn't like the way it's shot. doesn't look nineties. Like nobody's dressed in the nineties. Like it it's looks a little more. Timeless. Yeah. It's more timeless. It looks like it could be the fifties easily. I mean, they're in matching school uniforms. Right. <laughs> and And then like even so obviously i mean we put we put this disclaimer up front but like spoiler city we're gonna talk about all of it when we see like leonard's childhood um you know which is the the same time as their childhood uh it all you know still look it looks very timeless you know he's just 
Yeah. The, the, the clothes don't point to any particular time. There's, it, it does feel, you know, of uh, even of an earlier time. Well, that. and then mom is sort of based off of the 80s or the, sorry, the 50s housewife. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. And then Grace. we have the whole moon like, man she's Grace thing. Kelly, the 60s, right? Right. The whole moon man thing of the 60s. Um, mm-hmm. I gotta say, um, why is Luther's codename Space Boy before he ever goes to the moon? Um, because of the comic. I was looking yeah, it up. Yeah, I know. They I, all mean, I know it's aliases. because of the comic. Why do they use it? Like they they call him Space Boy all the time. They never call anybody else what they're called in the comic, but they just call him Space Boy all the time. Because it makes sense because he was in space. But he wasn't at 13. Did they call, they call him, him when Space he... Boy as a child? Maybe yeah. his head was in the clouds or something. I don't know. He's just a strong boy. Why are they calling him Space Boy? I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. It was a very weird choice. Well, I mean, I'm I'm glad they didn't use other than Vanya's name. They didn't use the other ones because they just don't make sense or sound good. No, like Diego I mean, is ben, the Kraken, which literally cra- makes no sense. I don't understand where that comes from. If I read the comics, I might. Um, Apparently, it's because he can breathe underwater or not breathe underwater. He can sorry. hold his breath. Hold his breath. And he throws that's knives. Not a water specific skill. There are other times also, of holding your breath. Is knives. <laughs> Yeah, that those things are just unrelated. Uh, we got we got Ben's is just mean, right? The horror, the horror. I love. I honestly thought he 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 was one of my favorite characters. He was a darling. He was an absolute darling. And um, the seance just is a mouthful. Just, yeah, it's not great. And then like, and then calling. I'm I'm glad that they just called. Uh, Hargreaves' dad, rather than calling him the monocle. Right. That's ugh. again another real mouthful. <laughs> yeah. But so it's um, this is a story about trauma. Yeah. I mean, these are people who grew up with a lot of trauma, and you and some of them. Uh, some of them borderline abuse. Some of them straight up abuse. Like right. They had an ab- abusive childhood uh, and they are acting out in their own different ways as adults uh, c- trying to cope with that childhood. And they all, they uh, quite literally, they all pick a different method. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, some of them sort of emulate the abusive behaviors of their father. You know, you've got sort of uh, like number five, I feel is the one who isn't the most like him, which is interesting because he, well, which, uh, well, especially because he's the only one without a name. Right. And I, he, he I yeah, really, there must be really like, believe, I don't, well, he's such, he's like a rebel, but he also believed like whatever mythos their father was building for them. Well, yeah, I mean, it wasn't that he, I mean, Luther is the, is the child that, that wanted to do right by dad. Mm -hmm. Five wanted to be dad, you know, he wanted to be in charge. He wanted to, he wanted to make the calls and he wanted to, (laughs) you know, be the, be the genius. Yeah. Uh, He, I mean, and it's, that kid is just great. He does such (laughs) a good job of playing an old man. I love it. I love it. But yeah, he's, you know, he's like 
Hargreaves in his sort of utilitarian sort of coldness yeah. and his disregard for <laughs> like individual humanity. Which is interesting because he's the one that's lived longer than everybody in the like in the post-apocalypse world. Mm-hmm. So it's like interesting that he turned out that way with less time with their father. Yeah, that was another thing I was going to say. Like it is it is interesting like he's just a similar personality, I guess. I mean, he was already doing that before the time jump. Yeah. Tr- you know, butting heads and trying to sort of enact his own will. Um so yeah, as I said, Luther, you know, he's a uh, he's he's he tries to be the the good son and do what his dad wants and he trusts him and he believes in him and he's betrayed by him ultimately and so well he's betrayed the whole time but he doesn't realize it until yes yes and he once he finally you know the scales fall from his eyes he starts he decides to have a little self-destructive adventure (laughs) yeah he likes to take a page out of klaus's book yes meanwhile (laughs) klaus is getting sober it's great i love i love the irony of it yeah uh You've got Klaus, who, of course, is just self-medicating in order to numb himself to his trauma. His trauma and his ability, which causes trauma. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or it reminds him of the trauma that his father put him through. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's it's directly linked to his trauma. It's the it's the reason for his trauma. Yeah. Uh, Allison's an interesting one because she seems sort of the most well-adjusted on the surface Mm -hmm. yeah um but she learned these manipulative and controlling behaviors from their father and you know started to let go of the idea of like you know people's autonomy being important and like yeah you know she she felt that she had the right to to control others that that makes me think of um i think it's the second to last episode when we actually see her using her power on her daughter that's been sort of mentioned this whole time right and it's just so casual it's so casual and that's what makes it so upsetting is it mm-hmm. it seems like she does it all the time right she just does it without thinking and then her husband sees <laughs> yeah yeah and it's that that sort of you know, abusive behavior where, uh, you know, some, a partner will say, I, you know, I, I won't do that thing anymore. But then as soon as they think they can get away with it, they just do it again. Well, but the thing is, at at a certain point, she understands that she's in the wrong because they get a divorce where in, she has the power to make him right. forget. <laughs> yeah, but she's like, no, nah, I'm, I, you know, yeah, I right. deserve this. Yeah, I deserve mm-hmm, this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe that's why she seems so put together when we're, you know, in the in the current. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, and that's, tense. You know, that makes the confrontation between her and Vanya oh my, all the more tragic oh. because she is so self controlled throughout the entire. You know, she 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 never ever does it. She never controls anybody. And then that one moment where she's like, I don't think I have an option. Like, this is what I have to do because this is one scenario where I think it's justified. 
Um, I think we should. This is the one time I'm going to say this for now. Um, okay. okay. We should not say what Vanya does because that moment was so absolutely shocking to me that yeah, it made the it, whole show for me. You're yeah. Okay. Okay. And and I, and I don't think it will be hard to sort of discuss everything around right. it, but we don't need to specifically. Exactly. Their, they, their confrontation is. It, yeah. It's. The yeah, acting in that scene is breathtaking. Ellen Page is a fucking like we genius. all knew Ellen Page had it in her, but like so good. I mean, imagine if they had cast somebody less capable than her. Well, unless okay, so she's a very most of the time very um, collected and timid person from yeah. what we from what we see, and a lot and her character was that as well for a lot of the show, but when that. Yeah. Comes down. Yeah. It's she's good. She's it, it's very um and I know she's in this this series too, but it's very um Jean Grey from X2. Or no, <laughs> no, X X-Men Last Stand. When she so she starts to go all Phoenix and her face changes color. Yeah. Yeah, it's very that. Yeah, I mean it's pretty clear that um She's inspired a lot by of inspiration. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Vanya is like Jean Grey. She is yeah. she is Dark Phoenix. Like it's just that's just what that story is, and it's fine. It's great. I mean, it's an interesting thing to explore different themes of, um, but and different that's... colors. <laughs> yeah, um, but yes. So Allison has her really fascinating and tragic sort of series of decisions that she makes. Um, ben is the interesting one because he's just Ben, you know, like he doesn't, he's not processing any trauma because he's, he can't anymore. Yeah. Like it's not afforded to him. He's just dead. Well, and do we even know how he dies? We do not find that out in yeah. this season. I expect it'll come up. Eventually. Right. Especially because there's so many flashbacks in this show. Right, I was like, when are we going to find out what happened to Ben? It's pretty important <laughs> to, like, the whole theme of the series. Um, but yeah, he seems to be sort of the the most significant victim of Hargreaves. But also the most um, untouched. Mean, yeah, well, because... By that I mean, yeah, he doesn't have anything to lose. But he also doesn't like. He's only there to help. Yeah, I'm, and 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 you know, it may just be the sort of the show's perspective on what it is to be dead. It's like there is no, there's nothing more, you know, to like. There's no growing to do. There's no, you know, it's just it's over. <laughs> you know, yeah. he doesn't he doesn't have that dimension in his life anymore. Well, like, and, he cares about the people that he cares about, but and it's interesting too. When Klaus only, this is only as an adult, because when he was a kid, he was obviously terrified of the people he was seeing, because it's fucking scary. It is, but, especially when you're locked in a mausoleum. Yes, but as an adult, they only help him. Right, but they but they also help. sort of torment him. They um, do, but when we're, when he's captured by um, Hazel and, uh, and Cha-Cha, Cha-Cha um, yeah. they're, just all, they're just all helping him. <laughs> <laughs> sure i mean and that's yeah he, but it's like they also want 
something from him That's and in true. that scenario that that he they're can use that torture they're trying to torture their their killers yeah but you know there's a, that previous scene when he's trying to sleep and he's just being tormented yeah. by these spirits who are you know they they need him and he doesn't have the time or the mental capacity <laughs> for them poor boy <laughs> poor Klaus um so that's and then there's Diego um interesting <laughs> case Diego huh the the most stereotypical of the bunch but like, also well, really compelling <laughs> Yeah, well, he starts out, and I think, oh, he's this is the boring one. I don't care about this one. Um, but then he, you know, they give him dimensions that I think I are really interesting choices because he's, you know, he's he's hard and he's cruel, but he's also very vulnerable. Yes. I, I think that the uh, the stutter was a very good device to show his sort of insecurity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like he's the one who is most influenced by Mommy Bot. Yeah, uh, he de- he's still dependent on her. Like they have a really special relationship beyond anyone else's relationship with her. Yep. Um, and that's honestly, <laughs> in uh, it, it, it's it's an it's an interesting choice to make. For this, you know, you know the archetype that that Diego yes mm-hmm. is 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 modeled after, and so for him to have this really significant non romantic relationship with a female character is well, and and choice. they they don't explain it at first, so there is, or at least I felt there could have been some sort of like you know, he's attracted to the robot mom a little bit. Um, you thought it was a little then, bit Oedipal? Well, it was at, at first without the explanation of how important she was to him. Yeah. And the reason she was important to him. Because before we get that flashback of her helping him with his words, you know, you just, you have to make it up on your own. Yeah. I, I mean, I you guess know. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't fill it in in that direction, but I can see, I can see how, that's I mean, it wasn't it was like it was just like a it was just like a passing thought when he's like sitting down with her and killing her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was very sad. Um, Nobody likes yeah. to die in this show, huh? <laughs> Nobody stays dead. <laughs> no, nah. I mean Ben's dead, but he's still around. But he's still there. And, and Hargreaves is dead, but he gets to say it hi. Can still affect I the mean, world. That's the thing about having a character who's literally a spirit medium is dead people are not inaccessible. But uh, yeah. okay, so this is a series about people who are plagued by their traumas and. I I think that that's very um that makes a lot of sense considering the generation to which they belong whether I mean obviously people have been enduring childhood traumas <laughs> since people uh existed but 
it is something I think that our generation is particularly interested in telling stories about and reflecting upon. And, and finding the um, language to explain. Yes, you know, understanding trauma and healing from trauma. Yeah, and not is, repeating it. <laughs> yes, breaking cycles, you know, that that wonderful scene. I, I got a little choked up when Luther was making the phone call for Allison and telling yes. Claire all uh, of the stuff that mm -hmm. Allison wanted her to know. And there was the line, like, I know that I failed you and I and I want to do better, to paraphrase, like, saying, like, I'm sorry, I, I recognize what I've done, and you don't deserve that, and I will fix that. Oh, yeah. Essentials. Mm -hmm. um, and I, their relationship is, was also a little bit on the nose, I feel like, for, a, like, you mean Allison and Luther? Yeah. It was a little expected, yeah. but it was <sighs> very genuine at the same time. Yeah, I thought it was very sweet. If I mean, I did have to just sort of put aside the weirdness of it. <laughs> um, but at least it wasn't as bad as the whole um, Dexter and Deborah thing on Dexter. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so that, that was a lot more unacceptable. <laughs> But, yeah, um, so it's, I, I think it's interesting that they would use superheroes to tell this story that's essentially about trauma. Um, I think it's a really great uh, and interesting way to sort of externalize things. I mean, that's what fantasy is great at is taking internal struggles and yeah. externalizing them in really cool ways. Well, and it also, you know, it, I, I think it can really help people who feel like they're not allowed to feel these things. Like, Oh, if this person who supposedly should have an amazing life because they have a special power still feels like garbage. Maybe I'm allowed to feel like garbage too. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. We talked about all the other siblings. How, how appropriate. We talked about all the other siblings. We didn't talk about Vanya. Right. Uh, <laughs> Nobody ever talked about I, Vanya. <laughs> nobody cares about Vanya. Um, but that's actually the really, honestly, I mean, that's when it all sort of clicked together for me. Um, when, when it is revealed exactly how it is that she doesn't know she has powers. Yeah. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Because then like her entire character all comes together mm -hmm. oh oh i like gasped <laughs> yeah she's it's really like you feel for her immediately because obviously she's the like the face that you recognize in the cast like sure you know and also she's just like the um the input for the audience the uh right yeah. she's she's the the normal person yeah I mean, she's and she's honestly fine with it but she's also medicated yes <laughs> which probably helps with her being fine with it <laughs> right but her like the whole thing with her like not being a great violinist it's like oh my god like she couldn't excel ever 
because she didn't believe she could. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, fuck. Like, that's the trauma. That's the abuse that her father inflicted on her is he made her believe she could never be extraordinary. And like, what? What a real trauma that is. Also, he drugged her her whole life. Right, right. That there's that as well. Which would probably also impair your violin playing skills. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what those drugs were. Anti superpower drugs. I don't know. He's some kind of alien, I guess. No, I don't so. think they were anti superpower drugs. I think they were sort of implying that her power is uh, enhanced by her emotions. So they okay. stabilize her, I believe. Okay, maybe so. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's it's not made explicit. It's not, and that's just my assumption, but. But, but I mean, like, how many people grew up with abusive parents who told them that they wouldn't amount to anything, that they couldn't do what they wanted to do, that they couldn't be amazing? Well, and how many kids wanted to be the special one? Every kid. Yeah. <laughs> Every kid. And, like, you know, some of us were lucky enough to have parents who said, you're so great. Like, what do you want to do? Because you can go out and do it. Let's do it. And some people were not. And lucky honestly, enough to like, have parents like that. At the beginning of the show, she just wants to help. <laughs> like, she right? loves her, her family so much. And they just ignore her. And so she yeah. has to continue to deal with, you know, the implications of her trauma day to day. That she's doomed to mediocrity. Well, not even that. She like, doesn't... she's underestimated. She's... um you know well yeah i mean i know that that's what actually happens in the series but in sort of more of a thematic sense um you know her it's it's such a commonly felt thing for for people to grow up and think i you know i'm not good enough and and that's Mm -hmm. that's really how this all came together for me yeah because I realized, like, oh, damn. But I see like, she's doing all right for herself. She is. She is She is doing all right. She's but, third you know, chair, like, right? <laughs> yeah, but as Helen said, she's been third chair for five years. And, like, that's apparently not, like, like that's kind of. I mean, that's, that's, that's kind better of... than not being in the orchestra, right? <laughs> sure. I don't know, man. Are you, are, you, are you arguing with me about this? Like, this is, no, no, I no, think no. this is what the no, show is getting no, 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 at no. here. I'm just saying, like, she seems like she has a pretty good life. Her sister loves her apartment. Like, <laughs> yeah, but she can't ever believe that it's And she also good has enough. an issue with relationships, too, which, yeah. yeah with love. Yeah, love and the way that she, family. like, yeah. <sighs> Ugh, Leonard. Ugh. Okay. I don't know if he's particularly a good actor i think he probably is but he was a well-written character mm-hmm. yeah oh just those moments just the manipulation the really subtle where he knew exactly how to push her buttons yeah and you could have easily known who he was and what he was doing immediately but he like you question <laughs> until they do the backstory you question <laughs> if you get yeah it i mean he's just so unassuming but it is a little bit like uh, you know, like, we're, this guy just coming out of nowhere like this, like, it's suspicious just in sort of a storytelling sense. But, 
Um, yeah, no, the way that, you know, she, like, and that's another thing that's just so real and so true that people who, you know, grow up being abused will gravitate towards abusers. Like, you know, she just, she, she went from an abusive father to an abusive partner. Well, and she won't heed warnings. Because she's so yeah. she's so starved for affection and for affirmation, mm-hmm. and he's yeah. a manipulative bastard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's he's the, the worst. He's the worst. I'm so glad that the guys that he hired to beat him up beat him up too much. <laughs> <laughs> they fucking they fucking took his eye out. I'm glad. Mm-hmm. Well, and he got his. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he got, he he got, got a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if that had happened in Matilda. <laughs> I mean, mm. just put a person in that room. That's what it would have happened. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, but man, like, it, it was such a fucking blow, though, for Vanya to take a villain turn when you spend the entire know, and season like so much and I love yeah loving her and caring about her and wanting better things for her and then when she snaps you're like oh no like i know and then she gets her <laughs> those dumb contacts <laughs> yeah <laughs> those weird blue contacts very strange looking like i mean i get uh, it it's very gerard way <laughs> oh of course um yeah I gotta say, though, like, y'all gonna cast Ellen Page. Y'all gonna dress her like a lesbian. But not make her a lesbian. in a hetero relationship? I know. I was what so are you upset. doing? I was so upset. She was dressed like a lesbian in every episode. Right? Like, at the end when she's in that damn suit, I'm like, shit, <laughs> that's good. Wear a suit forever. <sighs> at least there was one queer character, but there could have been two. There could have been. I mean, we don't know if she's bisexual, That's but anyway, true. she should. She's got no business dating a boy. Well, but, but, it it's yeah. it's also very realistic. If a queer person who's starved for affection falls for somebody that they might necessarily not fall for naturally, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, that's real. <laughs> that's real. Um. So, yeah, I think it's pretty clear why this story happened now and is connecting with people so well. I mean, especially when you've got this sort of backdrop of, like, the world is ending (laughs) and people in positions of authority won't do anything about it and you millennials (laughs) have to take this up on yourself. They're trying to make it happen. (laughs) Right, and that felt like a pretty significant sort of allegory. Um, oh, now, the actress that just played the handler. Yeah, this was my favorite role I've ever seen her in. What What else do you know her from? Because she's I don't recognize she's her. She's in um, uh, that Doctor Show. Um, <laughs> Doctor Show. The the one that's still oh, that going one. on with McDreamy and. <laughs> Oh, Grey's Anatomy! She was on I never Grey's Anatomy, it. and then she had her own spin-off doctor show for a little bit. She's she's good, but this was I that hair, 
Yeah, she was just mm. <laughs> even with that facial scar, she, she looked, looked good. even better with the facial scar. She just looked all the more intimidating. Great, well, just eating Chinese food. And can Great. we give like a round of applause for Hazel and Cha Cha? Uh, Mary J. Blige, I didn't think I would see you, and I was very happy to. Uh, <laughs> and also, that gentleman is, if you didn't recognize him, I only recognized him by his voice. Who is he? He's, he's, um, Ed Kemper in Mindhunter. Oh my god. Oh I god. know. Netflix must have him on retainer. <laughs> they should. Wow. He's fantastic. I, what range, wow. huh? The range and both of those performances fabulous mm-hmm. yeah I, I like i heard his voice and i was like oh shit that's a super recognizable voice to me who is this guy oh and my I looked god it up. wow yep yeah so oh kudos god. kudos both kudos of them. and they like really... also he's like like okay there's a lot of beautiful people in the show but he is legitimately the sex icon of the show <laughs> <laughs> i'm just saying like he is so like sweet and nice <laughs> He's lovely. He's lovely. He's lovely. And I appreciated that his love interest was not your traditionally cast love interest. Yes. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. She was wonderful and sweet and just a weird old bird lady. <laughs> yes, but like just the just a precious doll of a yeah. woman. Like I loved her and they were so good together and she was just so genuine and and precious. Uh and I just I was delighted. That that was like the main romance of the series. (laughs) The good, healthy romance as opposed to... Yeah, like you had the weird will they, won't they thing with Luther and Allison. But like Hazel's just like, I just like this donut lady. And this donut lady's like, I just like you. It's great. There's no sociopath in the mix. I mean, yeah, let's hope. Uh, (laughs) Hazel can sometimes be on the fence about that, but... Like, how do you get into this line of work? We don't know. It's okay, though. He he wants to he wants to do a John Wick, yeah. and he's allowed. He wants to redeem himself and get out. Yeah, he's he's allowed to do that. Yeah. He he earned it. But uh, so, the the themes of the show, I think, are you know they speak to our generation in really particular ways, uh, and I and especially with superhero stories getting all the more sort of personal and you know driven by drama rather than action yeah i mean it's still like every third act has to blow up a city but (laughs) but we are more interested in you know iron man being really mad at captain america (laughs) yes well, that, that's, that's what that's we really the care turn, about. Well, that's not the only turn that really happened in the whole Marvel universe. But like when drama, interpersonal relationship drama came in, in Civil War, that's when people were like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, this uh, I mean, this is this is what we want in our superheroes now. Uh, it's it's yeah, basically just these interpersonal dramas on a big, huge planetary scale right we can't just do toby Maguire finger guns for 10 years <laughs> yeah uh and and you know it, it's really the case in the umbrella academy because like the planet ending cataclysm is a girl who's had enough of being put down by her family yeah like <laughs> You know, a girl who said, you know, I don't, 
I don't want to be powerless anymore. My family abused me. So now I'm going to wreck everything. <laughs> well, no, but not even that. It's, it's almost like, and, and it's, it's, you know, you could view the whole last episode from so many different angles, but it's almost like, she's just like, I got to get to my damn solo. <laughs> right. I am in, this is my time. Yeah. I, it kind of makes you wonder would it, I mean, like, they made it happen, right? Because obviously, like, it's that sort she's of... not a malicious person. She wouldn't want right. to kill fucking everybody. But she wants to go to I her mean, show. And she wants to do her damn thing. There's just... I mean, she did kill a man for honking at her in his <laughs> So that's not great. <laughs> he was in the way of getting to her performance. Yeah, I mean, but she killed a man for that. So she was definitely sort of rampaging. Yes. But I mean, it is, you know, they, they, five sort of implies that, you know, this was just another way for the apocalypse to happen. And if they hadn't made her blow up the moon, uh, she, she just would have blown things yes. up herself. But like, we don't know that. Like, she was just playing a concert they are just assuming that like oh and then the concert will get over and the world will explode right maybe she was just having a her own like magical girl transformation time like going from black suit to white right. and, and <laughs> this is great she's just becoming the world's most powerful violinist <laughs> but it's so like is it i i i am interested in viewing it as one of those sort of like prophecy tragedies where in yeah. trying to circumvent the prophecy exactly that's exactly what it is because luther wants to stop the world from ending by locking his sister up oh luther <laughs> luther oh and that and, and when allison is at the door oh, oh god it's so i know because you oh, know cuts you. you know exactly what's gonna happen you know she's gonna explode mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's and you know, she's just it. pushed to the breaking point. Yeah. Yeah. Um now Oh, but one one small detail of that scene though when yeah. she does break out, it's a soundproof room and I've heard that soundproof right. rooms your heartbeat is super fucking loud. Well, and I think that's how she that's did exactly. it. That's exactly. Is with the sounds of her own on, body. Yeah, mm -hmm, which is which which was a really cool detail. Cuz it like it came from inside oh, her yes. and it's yeah, it's just like this. It just gives it that extra little kick. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, now, it's like water bending in in Avatar, where it's like you can get it anywhere, <laughs> anywhere, <laughs> even from your blood. Yeah, you could. Uh, so Watchmen is different from that. <laughs> well, Watchmen is a different generation. It is a different generation, and it's you know, it really changed superhero stories um you know it it and uh, i'll give credit where it's due also um the uh dark knight returns uh this is the one time i'll give frank miller credit uh <laughs> <laughs> those two comics really changed the landscape of superhero stories and i really believe that without them the Umbrella Academy wouldn't exist. Um, it is much more of an external story. Uh, but I guess, you know, in the Umbrella Academy, 
being a superhero fucks you up. Yep. <laughs> and in Watchmen, you've got to be fucked up to be a superhero. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of the other way around, where all these costumed people are just these weirdos who have these, like, sexual fetishes and stuff, and they just, like, they have these these weird, like, brain things where they just need to do this like i man every time i rewatch that movie i am made more uncomfortable by rorschach yeah like as this time around i rewatched it this afternoon and especially since i've been into true crime recently I see so many, so many, so many scary, scary red flags in Rorschach. Yeah. I 100% believe that if he didn't have this whole costumed hero thing to do, he would just be a serial killer. <laughs> I, mean, like, that, I mean, he's got the name. <laughs> he would. Like, he would be a serial killer. And he's found some sort of way to make it, like... Okay, yeah. Okay, but, he, I mean... I, by certain metrics, he is a serial killer. Well, it's killer. the whole Dexter like, thing, you know? Sure. Yeah, it is It is that. So I guess Dexter is a superhero. <laughs> uh, it's... I mean, Alan Moore was clearly writing a story about, like, hey, maybe superheroes can't ever work. Like, maybe this is a world where that can't be especially in in a world where you've got like global superpowers maybe people dressing up and fighting crooks is crazy <laughs> well and 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 you know recently marvel's starting to understand that too <laughs> uh, I mean, they they did a little bit with the the X Men, the early X Men stuff, but it's not necessarily about that. It's more of like you know, it's other stuff. But like yeah. the Sokovia Accords and like the, the, the rules they're putting in place so that you know these people mm -hmm. just you know. And you know, and in 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 fairness, like comics got there first. Obviously, like all of yeah. these movies are based on comics that came before them that did those things. Um, but yeah, like, and and it is it is I think the Watchmen effect of you know un really understanding these things that Moore was writing about. Um, but I mean, Watchmen came out of the Cold War, and everyone was afraid of you know their their neighbor everyone was afraid of you know what could what could come from the outside what could you know what could infiltrate and what you know secrets people are hiding <laughs> it was a really creepy global climate mm -hmm. um unlike any other time uh and so it, it makes sense that there would be this this story about like nuclear deterrence and you know just this insane science and you know these things being possible that you know that are beyond imagining mm -hmm. but ultimately the people who dress up and fight crooks are like they do it because 
they want to, you know, <laughs> like they're they're creeps and they get off on it. And they have issues. They have issues. They have super duper duper issues. Um, you know, I mean, and, and I, I, it's they've all got sort of their own dimensions of it. You've got Rorschach, who is this weird, like narcissistic, like sociopath. And he's got his, you know, his code, his morality, his beliefs that are, you know, like his mask, very black and white. <laughs> and he can't accept anything outside of these rigid boundaries, uh, you know, to the point where he doesn't think of criminals as human beings. Um, you've got Ozymandias, you got Vite, who you know, he views himself as a pharaoh. Like he's, <laughs> you know, he, in, in stark contrast to Rorschach, he believes that the ends justify the means. Yeah. And whatever you have to do for the greater good is acceptable. And then you've got, you know, this sort of, uh, she, I, I believe that, that, uh, Silk Spectre, um, Lori is sort of the humanist of the series. I mean, she's clearly sort of a weird person <laughs> with a superhero kink, uh, as well, but she's much more interested in humanity and people and, doing what is morally right for other people mm -hmm. um she you know she's the one who wants to she helps john you know s s hold on to his humanity and she you know she's the one who tries to appeal to his humanity and i, I have a little bit of trouble putting my finger on night owl um on dan and his sort of dimension yeah i mean i've only seen the movie so i don't know mm -hmm. as much but i i mean yeah if you've seen he's kind of like he, he's are also very similar rorschach's like the inside of batman's brain and the other guy's like the outside <laughs> yeah he's the he's the the respectable part of batman who just looks um, exactly like him <laughs> Yeah, Patrick Wilson makes a very good Night Owl. I really liked that casting. But yeah, I don't know. I, I wonder if maybe he's sort of the audience where he's torn between these people in his life and he's got to try to decide what who's right. That's very possible, you know? especially because he seems the most, you know, or, or I should say the least powerful. <laughs> yeah i mean like he's he's a good fighter but he's not as good as rorschach and he's not like he's unlimited he's smart potential but not energy. as smart as <laughs> yeah yeah he's not he's not a superhuman and he's also you know he's not as smart as ozymandias yeah. like he's just you know he's well-rounded he's the mario if you will <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i mean maybe he is maybe he is that sort of audience stand in he's the he's the viewer perspective looking at all of this carnage and trying to make something of it you know in the way that people in 1985 were trying to understand a world with 
you know, global nuclear threat. Yeah. Yeah. So I was realizing as we're talking that there's another movie that deals with superheroes and the realism. Which one? The Incredibles. Yeah, that's an interesting. And that's even further back in time. It's set in the 60s or the 50s, one of the two. Right. Yeah. What are what are your what are your thoughts on on Incredibles in conversation with these? Well, it it stories. It, it's a little more generic because I mean it's a kids movie. <laughs> sure, it's it's tame. It's tame, but I mean it also deals with some of the same things like you know, they just want to be a, a family. They, they, I don't I don't know. I don't know exactly where I was going with it, but <laughs> it just, you know, yeah, it's another well, time, a, a different t- generation that is superheroes dealing with real life issues. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a it's, you know, kind of babies first. Right. <laughs> as far as that goes. <laughs> I mean, but I, I will say this, like, and, and we we've probably sort of talked about it a little bit on the on previous episode in fact i'm almost certain we have but like incredibles has some really weird sort of randian objectivist (laughs) sort of stuff going on where it's like no some people are just born exceptional and no one should prevent them from being exceptional and no one should try to be exceptional if they're not (laughs) like that's weird, right? Like that some people are just better. And like I get it, like they they sort of sneak it through where it's like syndromes like and I'm putting people in danger um in order to enact this. But yeah. ultimately he's like I'm going to give everyone superpowers and then no one will be special. <laughs> like that's the terrible thing that syndrome actually wants to do is let everyone have superpowers. Well, it's exactly like Magneto and X-Men. He wants to give everybody superpowers in the first one. Well, I mean it's going to kill everybody, yeah. but <laughs> he doesn't care. He'll give them powers and then they'll die. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and uh, and Magneto is one of the more sympathetic of the sort of supervillain characters, I think. But uh, yeah, I have. I mean, The Incredibles is a, is a delightful film. It's fun and it's charming, and it's also got some really creepy themes. <laughs> I think it it tries to do the whole like X Men like parable for you know uh, for groups of people that are. Um, you know downtrodden but sure if you're a superhero you have like you have powers (laughs) right i mean and also i mean like yeah like the movie is like nah only these people who were born special can be trusted and it definitely with these abilities definitely has that whole thing and it's like if you you know if you look at any sort of you know group of people that was thought of as lesser they yeah you know the the police made their lives just utter hell but whereas in the incredibles it's like the police aren't an issue (laughs) except for oh darn we're arrested oh no (laughs) yeah bob is gonna be fine like he's just gonna be fine so yeah i 
I don't know about The Incredibles. I don't know about Brad Bird. <laughs> I, I don't know what he was doing there. Um, uh, yeah, I'm. I certainly didn't uh, consider it before. Now, as far as how it relates, it doesn't relate these. relate as much like thematically, but visually, it has that same sort of you know moment in time sort of look. Um, it it's definitely in the same genre, of course, but it's just yeah. well. I mean, and I think that as far as the sort of aesthetics go, that's just because that's the the golden age of comic yeah. books is like the forties and fifties. Yeah, less to do with. I don't. I drew a connection from uh, Watchmen to The Incredibles, less so from Umbrella Academy to. <laughs> yeah. But that is something that is that is kind of interesting. Except for their about. masks. They're the same masks. <laughs> yes. Well, it's yeah, it's a pretty classic superhero look. I mean, that's that's what Bucky's wearing in the comics, you know? Right. <laughs> but yeah, all those kid heroes in the in the old superhero comics had those little domino masks. Mm. It's very cute. The little their little Lone Ranger masks. Can we give a shout out but, to Mr. Pogo as well, who is probably oh quite no. possibly the best CG chimp in history? Yeah, he looked really good. Like he didn't look creepy at all. He he didn't. He, I honestly, from my human flawed eyes, he looked like a mixture of animatronics and CG. Because yeah, he was he was really well modeled. Because well I was the face the face I was fooled. It was a beautiful face. Like, honestly, I think it looks better than a lot of, like, human CG faces. And Which the way is, they right. Um, and and they used up their whole budget on him. <laughs> yeah. Because there's some not so other good, there's not some, some, some bad CG elsewhere in the show. <laughs> yeah. But I, I wonder if maybe it looks so good because there are certain sort of logical gaps that that we're leaping over when we watch him it's like if you see a cg human it's like well that's not quite what a human moves like or looks like but when it's like well this is a chimpanzee doing utterly non-chimpanzee things true. yeah so it you can it you can you don't notice the weirdness because it's all weird he's kind of he's kind of he's <laughs> like, kind of just an old don't man move their faces that way ever. Yeah, he's, he's kind of just an old man who is happens to be a chimp <laughs> <laughs> yes i love poco he was a very interesting character with the until and then he got he got Garrett Jacob Hobbs. Oh, exactly. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> uh, so, but but I was it is kind of interesting because um, I do think that The Incredibles more than um, the Umbrella Academy is sort of hearkening back in a more literal way to older stories, older comics, older superheroes. Whereas um, the Umbrella Academy is just sort of borrowing aesthetics. Yeah. Just to sort of like nod to those times. I got it. I loved the um, the title cards in every episode. These very like Will Eisner, (laughs) like, inside the picture <laughs> title cards they're great they're charming and beautiful i i really liked that also the the origin story was the same for all of them yeah and it was also very strange <laughs> and unlike anything yeah. else really i'm i'm really interested 
I got to imagine they're going to explain that phenomenon at some point. We'll explain it and maybe meet some of the other, however many people it was. Yeah, freaking like 70 other kids. I love, like, I love, so I love the joke of like, he only got seven. <laughs> he got seven. I love it. Especially because it's an academy. So you think, oh, it's like a private school. It's got like a lot of, but nope, just seven. <laughs> <laughs> Which honestly, yeah. the the cast would have been, I mean, the cast was already pretty full with seven and plus the side characters. So yeah. any more would have been a, a big mess. Well, it would have just turned into, you know, Xavier's School for Gifted Youngsters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At that point. <laughs> <laughs> well, any, um, any final thoughts on these these stories as reflections of their generations. Um, I think there's something interesting about the Umbrella Academy, especially when we're talking about generations with the aspect of time travel. Um, because, mm. you know, number five is at the Kennedy assassination. Um, he, yeah. he goes to these major events and, and so there's sort of that, um, he's got a he's got a very unique perspective perspective but it also sort humanity. of draws on like other generations feelings and of these big moments uh and then of course we have um klaus who goes back to vietnam yeah and that was all one of the other really surprising and probably one of the more positive surprising moments in the show i mean obviously it was horrible but like his yes. character grew tremendously instantly. I know. Which was I, really I, cool. That was a great move. Great move. It's like, it's a hundred percent justified, but it saved so right. much Right. He was not budging anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. He was a wreck. <coughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, and, 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 you know, I wonder if maybe, you know, that does sort of reflect upon our experience as a generation that grew up with the internet and like access to information that previous generations couldn't really have in the way that we do. So like time travel as an allegory for information on demand? Maybe. I mean, maybe, maybe not, maybe not as sort of. But I understand what you're saying. Like empathy is at our fingertips. Right, we can we can understand. We can learn things more easily mm-hmm. than any other generation before us. Yeah, and we can connect with each other. He connects with somebody and that really changes his life. Yeah. And then he's back like what? <laughs> a day later? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it was a a year or two? Something. Yeah, he said specifically, but I I don't recall yeah. at this moment what, how long he was gone. Yeah, and also this show just made me want donuts. <laughs> I was so happy that my coworker brought donuts today. I was like, finally, <laughs> my donut. That donut shop bounced back real quick. It was real busy after that shooting. <laughs> yeah, they just cleaned it up and it was like it never there happened. There were still bullet holes in the walls. I did notice that. Listen, it's a really good donut shop, so... <laughs> Try to keep them closed. She was the best donut maker. Agnes. Darling Agnes. All right. Well, do you have any recommendations this week? 
Oh, well, I just talked about how to train your dragon. Um, I don't know what else I did with my life this week. Oh, oh, okay. I watched the favorite. I knew. I bought it. We can watch it. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, There was no other way to watch it before the Oscars. So I paid 15 bucks on Amazon to get it instantly. (laughs) I couldn't rent it. It wasn't available to rent only to buy. So I bought it. Um, It was worth it. Did you see the lobster? I didn't. So the lobster is just like fucking crazy. And this is fucking crazy, but like tethered together still. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it's based on like real life. It's based on real life, but it's not real life. Right. Well, like, like no way did this happen it is not a documentary it, like <laughs> right they say the c-u-n-t word like every three minutes <laughs> you know what that's one of the oldest words in the english language all right <laughs> well but like in the context of parliament maybe <laughs> i don't know i don't know we'll see it's it's i'm i'm it's so I'm good. very excited to see it it's, uh, yeah, yeah yeah so emma stone is a wonderful actress she is the like the part that you that is like the least exciting part and she's pretty amazing <laughs> well i'm excited to see what nick holt does in this film i had like no idea best... he was in it <laughs> oh, and he does a really he good looks job like the most foppish dandy i've ever seen and i can't He's wait such a dick <laughs> and like so I love it. another thing i like about that, about that movie the men are completely impotent like there's these three women and they're doing literally everything. <laughs> Re- uh, just remarkable. And one of them is bedridden. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Seriously, Rachel Weiss, like. Oh, I love her. This. Okay. So she was really good in the lobster, but because it was really strange, it was hard to connect. She is mm-hmm. like, I'm upset. She didn't win the Oscar, but I understand why she didn't, but she was so good. She needs her own award ceremony. Honestly, like, and the costumes were so cool. There was like, it was like, the costumes were like, sort of uh, out of place because there was like textures that didn't exist back then. Like they had, um, (laughs) they had like pleather chokers, (laughs) but they were like, like lace cutout pleather chokers. They were amazing. Oh, oh, can't wait. So good. Can't wait. Highly yeah. recommend. Got just a quick. I I I take it whole. No, I've been dying to see it, so I'm super excited. Um, just a quick recommendation for me. Not not the not the most heartfelt, but I've been I've been listening to um, a new Wondery podcast. Um, they did uh Doctor Death and Dirty John. Um, and their new one, Over My Dead Body, is it's more of the same. It's good stuff, really fascinating and bizarre uh true crime story about people and relationships. Um it's if you if you like those other ones, then uh Over My Dead Body is is something you should listen to. Um but you know it's not like mind blowing. <laughs> Not to not to give like a shitty recommendation. It's fun. I'm I'm enjoying it. It's an interesting story. I have another uh, quick update from the magicians. Oh, so there was a moment in okay. Make it make it kind it'll of be quick, quick because like my battery is dying. Uh, there's a moment in season three, which was the last season, where two of the main characters 
lived a hundred years together, fell in love. It was a whole thing. But then they were like, we had to put it away because that was too much to deal with. It came back in season four and it's important <laughs> and it's queer. And I'm so fucking happy. Wonderful. Yes. Wonderful. And that is all. Okay. Then last thing I just want to plug, uh, go, go watch my show. Go watch junk adventure. It's fun. It's crazy. We've been updating on YouTube with uh, episodes of Indigo prophecy, which is just, just wild it's just a wild wild game um and then we have been streaming uh peter jackson's king kong the official game of the movie (laughs) uh so if you want to check out some of that goodness we're streaming on twitch junk adventure fridays pacific standard time at 8 p.m i was check us out it's i was gonna tell them tomorrow night but this doesn't go up today It doesn't go up today. It goes up Monday, <laughs> so we will not be streaming on Tuesday. But Friday, y'all, more King Kong, more that big monkey, so many bugs, so many insects in this game. It is all insects and dinosaurs. I thought, and it never I thought you meant like technical glitch bugs. <laughs> no, not technical glitch bugs. It's got some great voice acting, though. All the Jack Black you could want. Uh, <laughs> come, come have fun with us. We'll kill some dinosaurs. <laughs> That does it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Anchor.fm, and elsewhere. Please rate, subscribe, review wherever you listen so more nerds can find us. We appreciate it, and it really does make a difference. You can find us on Twitter at LitMeritPod, where we can update you or you can just chat with us. Yeah, tell us what superheroes you like. What are some interesting superhero stories? And thanks to Jonathan Colton for the use of our theme song, Fraud, from his album Artificial Heart. Until next time, remember, no no guilty guilty pleasures. pleasures.